Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What's up? I'm Pete. And first, Uh, what we're going to talk about is Superman and the Authority Number 1 from DC Comics, written by Grant Morrison, art by Mikkel Janine. The big headline here is that Grant Morrison is returning to Superman, which is a big deal, but there's a very different Superman who is losing his powers, teaming up with Manchester Black to try to do what the Justice League can't. Justin, why don't we go to you first? What did you think about this book? This is fun. Uh, You know, Grant Morrison has sort of been a little bit on the fringes of comics, it feels like. Lately, he had um, a Green Lantern run recently, uh, Hal Jordan that was, like, pretty wild and weird. And this feels like a return to a lot of the Grant Morrison stuff that I feel like he sort of made his name with. Um, It's really fun. It's casting Superman and Manchester Black almost like a... Uh, Professor X and Magneto in a weird way is what I took mm-hmm. away from this, except they're both Magnetos <laughs> in a weird way. Um, so I, I really like this. I like this Superman. The Superman is a little bit um, less idealistic, less like innocent. Someone who is like, you know what? Here's what I have to do. Here's what's happening. Um, I'm ready to make some more Batman-y style moves to get ahead. Pete, what did you think about this one? What was your I, takeaway? I think this is fun, Morrison. Um, I, you know, you got kind of like a evil Superman thing kind of going on. I also like the uh, JFK uh, tie-in there. So that was yeah. uh, that flashback uh, was very interesting and very cool. I, it was it was surprising to me that this was Morrison. I was excited about it. It wasn't the crazy kind of Morrison that sometimes can happen. It, so I think this is a fun Morrison. I'm excited to see uh, how this kind of unfolds. But as far as the first issue, did an amazing job of people getting excited for what they're set, uh, setting up. Also interesting in this, uh, I saw for the first time an ad for Brian Azzarello's new uh, project on Suicide Squad. And that also looks really cool. I'm excited about that. Uh, the <laughs> one Grant Morrison-y thing I thought in here were the robots escaping from the Phantom Zone with Ursa and I believe Zod and probably some whoever the third guy is. I always blank on his name. Attacking through robots, which was very Grant Morrison-style weirdness. But you're absolutely right that it was much more straightforward to the point that I wanted a little more out of this book. I wanted it to be bigger and bolder, particularly with really? the authority. Frankly, with the authority name more than anything else. I wanted to feel like this world-shifting, world-redefining thing happening in the DC universe. I think you just gotta wait for it. And it's well, that's the problem is that I feel like this was good. I enjoyed this. Mikel Janine's art is gorgeous. He draws an amazing Superman in particular. It was fun to read, but I want something from an authority book that is earth shattering in a big way. And we're not quite near that. This felt almost and not necessarily in a bad way, but it almost felt like a first issue of a Bendis comic setting up. Okay, we got to put the team together. I can't tell if that is an insult or not, but um, I, I agree with you. I'm the one you. wearing the Batman shirt and the DC hat, you tell me. Exactly. I mean, for God's <laughs> sakes, you're dressed like um, a narc here, so it's yeah. hard to hear um, you kids what like seems comics, like a criticism. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but I agree with you. I was waiting for the let's put the team together, and I think we're, we're getting it next issue. Yeah, I think it's um, going to get crazier. I think you'll get more Morrison as it goes, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised with how tame this was and how easy to follow. 
Yes, like let's let him build toward the insanity rather than being like, "Hey, yeah. psychopaths, guess where we're starting? <laughs> Crazy town. See if you can keep up." Yeah. Like, let's I walk us into it a little. That's bit. what I want to. I get what you guys are saying. I think that's what I wanted a little more out of the book, or at least what I was expecting. But again, I liked it. I had a fun time reading it, so I'm happy to read more. Next up, Moon Knight number one from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Capucci, uh, talking about a relatively speaking other straightforward approach to a title. This is another one like Superman and the authority. I think that we're used to wildness happening with moon Knight, split personalities, things all over the place, gods breaking through to earth and sanity, sanity. But here, this is moon Knight setting up an agency to help people to be the fist of Conchu when Conchu has abandoned him out of the Avengers and kind of went kind of nuts. Um, so it completely works. It's just a funny swerve in a certain way from what we've come to expect from Moon Knight the past couple of years. Yeah, it's a it's a, a pleasant surprise of not Crazy Town, where it's kind of like Moon Knight sitting down with the psychiatrist and they're talking it out, you know? And they're kind of, as far as the number one, I really appreciated all the information that we got in this issue, it was really being like, okay, everybody, this is the Moon Knight that you're going to get. We're going to spell things out for you. Here's the whole thing about the God of the Moons and the whole thing. And I was like, yes, thank you. And then you kind of got Moon Knight, uh, you know, being Moon Knight, uh, going out and, you know, solving things and, and, and doing the action stuff, which is great. So as far as the first issue, amazing art. Great story, good setup for where we're going to be, and I think it will get crazier. Yeah, shouts to Jed McKay, uh, an author, uh, a writer that I've really enjoyed a lot of um, work lately uh, from, the work on Black Cat. And this is this is great as well. To your point, Alex, I do think it is sort of like scooping up all the sort of like wild different takes on Moon Knight and being like, no, no, let's just have it be this. And it makes sense. Moon Knight is going to be a series. It's being talked about a lot. So it's sort of like, let's get our ducks in a row about who this character is in the comic book universe as well. And I like the way things are sort of put together here. The section where he is talking about like, um, <laughs> like what kind of person he is now, I thought was cool. And I love the way the issue ended. Yeah, I agree. Really solid first issue. I don't want to sound too down on it. It's just not necessarily the wildness that we've come to expect. But here's one that is wild. Mother of Madness, number one from Image Comics, written and created by Amelia Clark, who you might know from a little series called Terminator, the movies. <laughs> Interesting take. Interesting <laughs> the take there. the people know her from. Uh, And Marguerite Bennett, art by Layla Lez. The idea of this book, if in case you couldn't figure it out from the title, is there is a single mom who has superpowers. Her emotions make her go wild and give her powers in different ways. And she eventually, by the end of the issue, decides to use them to fight crime, which tees up our series as we go forward. This is... Uh, we've talked about this before with celebrity books, but this is one that actually seems to be a passion project for Clark and not one that she's just checking in to lending her name to or her likeness to, for that matter. It's an idea that she actually cares about and is involved in, very similar to Keanu Reeves on Berserker. So yeah. what do you think, though? Does that passion actually translate to the page? Well, I yeah, really I mean, appreciated the back matter in it to kind of... Sh- show the passion uh, uh, in this comic. And yeah, I really think the art style and the kind of story sets up a very unique world. Um, and I, yeah, I'm very interested in this. This is kind of a new idea. Uh, you know, someone who, you know, gets powers from their emotions. That makes me very happy. Uh, yeah, I was I was impressed with this book and I thought it was like kind of unique in uh, a bunch of different ways that was kind of enjoyable in the stack. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like, it it's a book that definitely isn't that sort of like surfacey take. Like, it's something that is clearly like has been really thought about and and really put together to be this um, this character that has a lot of the the powers the power set that's here. It's something that feels like very worked over and really thought through. And then the origin is like. Um, it's a story. It's a full story you get in this issue. Yeah, I. 
I think there was almost too much here. It felt like I have a million ideas and I need to get them all out on the page. So it could have used a little streamlining potentially. But like you guys have been saying, the powers are very interesting. I think the way that Layla lays draws them is really creepy and weird. And now that... This is this is going to come out worse than I mean, but now that she's almost gotten this vomit draft out in the first issue, I'm really curious to see where it goes in the second issue, where you have the conflict set up, you have the characters set up, you have all this exposition set up. What happens next? Uh, particularly given the art Bobby. is so good and so interesting, it'll be kind of fascinating to follow. From something uh, completely new to something that is very old and very belated, let's move it over to Blue and Gold, number one from DC Comics, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Ryan Sook. This is the first ever series teaming up Blue Beetle and... Uh, Booster Gold. It's something the uh, fans have been asking about since Justice League International back in the day. They even joke about it a little bit here. And the whole thing feels very quantum and Woody-ish to me with yeah. two superheroes teaming up. Booster Gold, of course, is the goofball who just wants to be famous. The Justice League doesn't want him. They do kind of like Blue Beetle. And they're heroes, but they're also screw-ups, and that's what we're going to be following in the series. I think this delivered on exactly what you would want out of this book from Dan Jurgens is my take. Yeah, it distills down a lot of stuff um, that we we see with Booster Gold specifically, where it's like he's trying to be internet famous. He doesn't have any money. He fucks up all the time. Um, but it does it in a way that, that still pops a bit. Like, it doesn't feel like it's just, like, going through the motions here. It feels a little new, despite the fact that it is stuff we've seen from this character before. And it's just a fun book. Like, uh, this combination of uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle is fun. And that the fact that we get to follow them a little bit on their own, operating just on the edges of the uh, Justice League and all of their actual uh, high-stakes adventures is fun. And I love that the Justice League appeared here and they actually helped them. That was a good choice, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it had uh, amazing art, uh, really cool last-page reveal. Uh, the problem for me is just Bo- Booster Gold is not my guy, and uh, you know this Blue Beetle. I, you know I I like uh, Jimmy Reyes uh, better, so um, you know this isn't in my wheelhouse. But uh, I read this um, and uh, uh, really appreciated the art and the last page reveal. Put it on the book. I read this, Pete Page. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though the blue and gold, I think. I think something we can all agree on is they are the perfect partners, just like us and this week's sponsor, Manscaped, with the new Performance Package 4.0, are also the perfect partners. It's They're the perfect team-up. Um, inside uh, the uh, Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. I can use both. Crop Preserver <laughs> ball deodorant. Okay. Crop Reviver toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you use the lawnmower, right? You liked it? Oh, yeah. man, yeah, for sure. And are you looking forward to potentially using the rest of them? Yeah, I can't. I really hope we get sent this stuff because I want to try it all out. It's but you awesome. would buy it anyway, even if you didn't get sent it, because that's how much you love it, right? Sure. Okay, so first off, let's let's just run this down. First, you got the real hair of the package, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, the fourth generation trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also has a 7000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch that can engage a travel lock. And it gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Skeets could never. This is our Skeets for body hair. Uh, (laughs) Do you think, just real quick, do you think Skeets shaves Booster Gold? Because I think he does. Definitely. I mean, that Skeets is a 31st century um, Mm -hmm. manscaped product. No doubt in my mind. Skeets, 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 Skeets. But the real hero of our present day um, uh, ball shaving situation is the Weed Whacker. To chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and ear. Uh, The Weed Whacker is also waterproof. uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology. 
That's keeping your skin safe. It's right in the name, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those areas that you don't want any tugs. Cool. <laughs> Whoa, calm down, Pete. Chill out, Pete's, all right? Pete's really Whoa. enjoying this product. <laughs> uh, let's not argue, okay? Stop fighting with us. Instead, <laughs> let's team up to beat the bad guys, meeting unruly hair and bad smells with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Plus, Manscaped also threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Now that's a Justice League. Oh, man. Put it on the book. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory! Something I shout to my family all the time this year with Manscaped. All right, let's move back to the comic book reviews yeah, off of the ball shaving reviews with Thor Annual Number 1 from Marvel by Aaron Cooter. I'll tell you what, I wasn't even going to include this in the stack necessarily because I felt like, all right, we got the sense of these Infinite Destinies annuals. But Aaron Cooter, man, I will read anything that guy draws. His art is so good. And in this one, this is Thor going to an elf party, as one does. Things go horribly wrong when a guy attacks the elf party, specifically an evil tree, I believe. And mm. uh, it's great. I, I love this book. I love Aaron Cooter's arc so much. Uh, and I thought this was struck the right tone of mythical qualities with the story and the writing as well. 100%. This annual had big annual energy, something that I love. It was uh, like comics when I was growing up, where all the annuals are all about these sort of different, weird stories that took place out, slightly outside of the main continuity and were just fun and interesting diversions. And this had that. I loved it. Yeah, I really was impressed with this. Uh, the art, as uh, Zalbs mentioned, was really uh, above and beyond in such a great way. Does a nice kind of homage to the characters throughout the years in such a cool way that doesn't seem showy. It just kind of like is. And um, I was really impressed with it. Also great use of Hawkeye in this. Uh, yeah, I, I really yeah. love this comic. I thought it was really great. And if you like sharks, there's a real fucked up shark. At <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Siphon number one from Image Comics, a story by Mosin Ashraf, written by Patrick Meany and Mosin Ashraf, art by Jeff Edwards. This is about a regular guy who has some sort of powers that are kind of undefined at the current time, but it's told jumping through different timelines. And I'll tell you what, I was not quite sure what to think of this going in, but man, I was into this story by the end. Uh, but at the same time, this is one that, like, I need the second issue now. Like, there's not enough in the first issue, and I, I am dying to read what happens well, next see, as this starts good, to come forward. Yeah, it's great. It's a good vibe. Yeah, that's what they want. They and want let me you wanting more. It, great art. Great art mm -hmm. and great sort of um, the way the story built up uh, sort of a character in the beginning and then really brought it back in the end in a way that was uh, uh, scary in the right way. Yeah, I was really impressed with this. The kind of action is is really awesome, but also like the, the flow of the art is really impressive. There's a lot of cool twists and turns. Um, you know, at first I was like, oh, does that say Cypher? I don't like Cypher, but it wasn't. It was, uh, it, it was, was really, it. it was a different word. Yeah. It was a diff completely different word. It kind of spins into itself. So it's a little hard to read. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, all that aside, I was really impressed with this and, uh, I'm excited to check out more. Next up, Shazam, number one from DC Comics, written by Tim Sheridan, art by Clayton Henry. This book is starting to skirt against what happened in Future State with Shazam, I believe, but in an interesting way because it's filtered through what's going on in Teen Titans Academy. Shazam is starting to lose his powers. He tries to figure out how to get them back, and to do it, he's going to head to hell. It's interesting because this is kind of shades of what's going on in both Thor and the Beta Ray Bill books at this point over in Marvel, mm -hmm. but in a very different way. I don't know it's quite as successful, but I thought the art was solid and the characterization was good. And I like Shazam, so I'm definitely interested to read more. Yeah, I, I agree with you a bit, Alex, um, in that uh, it was... It was a weird beginning issue. A character like Shazam, I feel like, stands on its own. 
Mm-hmm. And this issue was rooted so hard in uh, other in, in Titan stuff that it, yeah. it was like, oh, OK, weird starting point. And then I, I'm curious where it's going to go. Um, but uh, Shazam, I feel like, has been sort of swept aside in a weird way in D.C. right now. And I'm curious um, what the new take c- can be. I kind of like the fact that it started um, with the Teen Titans because the touching school scene with Nightwing uh, and Shazam in school was really kind of powerful, and I liked it. Um, Yeah, I I thought this was a really great story, a lot of interesting action, and uh, the art was just really fantastic. And I I like the touching moments, so I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Next up, Homesick Pilots, number seven from Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard. After spending the last issue with our bad guys, this issue we head over to our good guys and focus out on them. I put big question marks there. Question marks. I mean, it really is. Nobody is necessarily good in here. One is a blood suit who's trying to power a mech to take down a haunted house that's filled with probably evil ghosts. And the haunted house that fills with evil ghosts is probably our good guys, maybe, but not entirely clear. But... Listen, the art is so good and the characters are so good here and everything is so creepy the way that it rolls out in terms of the haunted house and the visuals of the ghosts. Love it. Uh, Every issue of this is a home run. This comic has big lock and key energy, a comic that we love. And I feel like both tonally and in, in a lot of and artistically and a lot of way this just sort of it's being rolled out. It feels like we're being ushered into a larger, a much larger story um, and a much larger continuity. And it, I, I really like that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm having a lot of fun with this book because it there's a lot of twists and turns. You think you get a handle on it, and it kind of opens up a little bit bigger. And uh, the 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 creativity the panels and the and the the designs of the villains or bad guys is really really fun and so interesting I, yeah i it's one of those books where you don't know what you're going to get but it's been really surprisingly steady which has been great Next up, X-Men Legends number five, written by Peter David, art by Todd Nock. Like the rest of this book, this is slotting in an in-continuity story, but way back in the day was something that happened in X-Men. Here we're getting some X-Factor stuff. Justin, I threw this in for you because this felt uh-huh. like your era of X-Factor or X-Men. What did you think of this one? I like it a lot. I mean, I do like this um this time for X Factor, and we get to sort of see all the different characters. This is written by Peter David, who had the big runs on X Factor um, that really, really took those characters to the next level. And we get little pieces of that here. It's not quite the same way, same thing as like huge statement pieces on each of these characters. As X Factor, I want to say 72 is maybe the epic issue. Um, but it is, um, it's those same characters with those same ideologies behind them having a, a, an adventure and we get to see the story told from each of their different perspectives. And it's really fun. Pete. Well, you picked it for Justin, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but you can weigh in because you yeah, read it. This is not your thing. I know this is, this is not your stuff. thing. Yeah. yeah. Chew number six from Image Comics, written by John Lehman, art by Dan Boltwood. In this issue, our main character is heading off on a cruise, going on a little bit of an adventure there. This is this is the dark side of Chew C H E W, focusing on his sister, but. I would say this issue was the most Chew-like so far, and I dug it. I enjoyed the series. They talk about how they were very delayed by the pandemic, but I'm glad it's back because it's a lot of fun to read. And this is C-H-U. Yes, thank you, Pete. Yeah. What did you think, Great. Pete? This Big is definitely difference. more in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, fantastic art. This kind of weird world of, like, Uh, People using their powers through kind of like taste and smell and stuff. And they do a really kind of fun job of always creatively kind of pushing the story through that. So it's a very interesting kind of window and world to kind of uh, peek your head into. And and it's definitely always worth checking out. They do such a solid job with these books. Uh, I, I like this a lot. I like that they're moving into some wine. 
Let's go <laughs> suck wine here. Mm-hmm. Um, very fun. Um, and it 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 uh, it feels like it's funny how they've shifted into. Um, there's so much. Our our main character is a bad guy essentially. Mm-hmm. So we following her side of it is uh, is a whole different world. Sounds like you're drunk over there, buddy. So it's fun to hear you talk about wine. Uh, his, his internet uh, nice. went a little in and out. Don't even worry It's my about internet it. went wrong. You know why it went wrong? Because I was looking up what X-Factor issue was, and I think it was 87. <laughs> See, you can't look that up. That'll shut down your internet. That's how I they know. set it up. Back in the day, they were like, don't look up X-Factor stuff. That'll slow down your internet too much. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number two from DC Comics, written yes. by Tom King, art by Bill yes. Quist Evely. In this issue, Supergirl, who is very much alive after getting sh- shot by an arrow in the past issue, is traveling for vengeance with her new traveling companion. This continues to double down on the very old school John Carter-esque uh, Don't throw your comparisons. Yeah, it is though. I mean, that's straight up what it is. Like, what Tom King has been doing is he's been mining different eras of comics for all of his different books, or trying to push forward in some way and innovate in some way. And here he is straight up doing like a very old school sci-fi comic, but starring Supergirl, and it's delightful to read. And Bilquis Evely's art is absolutely gorgeous as well. Um, hopefully Pete just didn't die, but Justin, what did you think about this book? Uh, I love this. Uh, I love this. Um, to your point about Tom King, like, um, he, I feel like in the, his previous work, he's taken little aspects of the, the character that he's writing about and really just blown them out for his particular take on them. Uh, Mr. Miracle, um, uh, the strange adventures at Adam Strange, all that. Um, this feels like it's a little bit breaking new ground. Supergirl's a character that feels like she's had a few different iterations and a lot of them sort of conflict. So to really um, start almost start over and put her in a very different place and start to put, put some defining situations on her, I think is really interesting and, and fun. Yeah, totally agree. Pete, uh, first of all, you all right? You yeah, okay? I almost uh, choked to death over here. Oh my what gosh, are you, I'm what so are you sorry. choking on? Uh, the booze we were drinking. <laughs> oh. Liquid. That's a liquid. Do you think, I was just thinking about this, do you think if one of us died on the podcast, would we keep going? You would keep going. Yeah, we'd have to finish. Yeah, sure, we'd, we'd alert the authorities, but we'd keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'd text them. I'd text 911. Yeah. Oh you could text 911, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you it's up? an emergency. It's an emergency, but I'm busy also. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the art alone, so so worth it. Imagine, I mean, those will be those should be your last words at some I, point. So I I wrote down for on the notes. I wrote, "Go fuck yourself." This is the most amazing looking Supergirl ever. Well, you got your cry. Oh yeah, I'm having a hard time. I really do think. Honestly, uh, a really good epitaph for you, Pete, would be it was worth it for the art alone. <laughs> life. Yeah. Speaking about yeah, life. Just on your tombstone. I think that would be really good. And I know, Pete, you, we are, we've said we're all designing each other's tombstones. So <laughs> definitely. We made that we'll pact back in high school. Like, pact. hey, before graduation, we're designing each other's tombstones. Don't make me laugh. Yep. Oh, Sorry. Ne- Don't make never. me laugh. You'll make me cry. <laughs> never, we would never do that. Undiscovered Country number fourteen from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Soule, art by Giuseppe Capincoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. Here we are in uh, Inspiration. What's the name of this? Not Prosperity. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Imagineering. It's, it's, ima- yeah. We're in the Imagineering section of the United States, and some of our heroes are fighting against superheroes. Others See a are fighting. Possibility, yes, thank you. Um, this is very fun because, of course, this is in Snyder and Saul's wheelhouse in terms of writing about comic book things and comic book tropes. Yes. But like we talked about with the last couple of issues, it really snapped into the past arc, the Unity arc, with all the characters really figured about. Everything suddenly became clearer and the danger became bigger. And here now they're having a lot of fun with everything that's going on. This book is a blast to read. Uh, the bottom of the boat stuff was just so gorgeous and unbelievable. Yeah, this is such a creative, interesting book that every time I pick it up, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to get, but it's such a cool story. I'm having so much fun with this. 
Yeah, this is a real box of chocolates type book, I would say. Oh, Oh, nice. We all get what you're talking about. Well, I will say this book, this issue particularly, did a great job of telling sort of one story without getting too caught up in the wild details of the world around them while still, like, keeping everything going. And I like the way that this... This issue was sort of about comic books, but it also, like, we were with um, the characters the whole time. Uh, Great book. Next up, Nightwing, number 82, from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo, Rick Leonardi, and Neil Edwards. In this issue, we're picking up on the big cliffhanger from the last issue where Dick Grayson found out he had a sister. Here we find out it's true, or at least she and her mother says it's true. We find out her history, how she came to be, how she came to be his half-sister, and why it's okay. It wasn't like his father cheated or anything like that. This is a great story, gorgeously written. Uh, I, I say this every issue, but I can't believe how much I like a Nightwing book. This is a definitive run on Nightwing. Like, And I'm a huge Nightwing fan, and yeah. the fact that this book has been able to just carve out this new ground is great. The Rick Leonardi R is so good. This is just, you gotta be reading this book. One of my favorite uh, books from DC and in general right now. Yeah, what a great story. I've been really impressed with this. The art's fantastic. We learned so much in this. And it's funny because it's like, I've never kind of heard this before. You know, sometimes you kind of get the same origin story over and over, kind of find out different angle on the pearl necklace falling to the ground. But this was such a cool reveal that I really appreciated. Yes. Uh, yeah, just to be clear, Pearl Necklace, Bruce Wayne, Circus, Grayson's. But the Pearl, the Pearl Parents, the Pearl Trapeze Pearl Parents. parents. Yes, I'm exactly. just saying we get the same kind of thing over again. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You're 100% correct. Uh, next up, Radiant Black, number six from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins. Art by Darko LaFuente after the big reveal on the last issue of this one, where we found out there are more Radiants out there. In fact, a whole Power Rangers squad of them. We flashback. Meet another one, find out the origin of the bad guy one, and it's great. This is a great one shot. Justin, you were loving this one. What'd you think? Maybe my favorite issue of the series so far. I love that they had the confidence to jump back and tell a total standalone story and really like get into these characters that we've never really met before and just tell their story. Uh, I, I, this series takes risks and I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed in the dude in this story, you know, taking the money and stuff like that. That was heartbreaking. That seems like he's not doing the making the right choices. Yeah, yeah. Gambling. Um, but uh, very interesting. The art's fantastic. This is such a weird, cool story. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this book. Losing a lot of money. Yeah, like yeah. He's not a yeah. good gambler, it seems like. Next up, Dark Blood, number one from Boom Studios, written by LaToya Morgan, art by Walt Barda. And I'll be straight up honest about something. I mixed up Siphon and Dark Blood. Uh, Dark Blood was the one that I was talking about that jumps around in time to tell this story uh, and is the one that I am dying to read more of. It deals with... Well, I would say Siphon jumps around in time a little bit. That's why I didn't correct myself, because I also like Siphon. But Dark Blood was the one that I was... Super into in terms of the art, super into in terms of the story. It also deals with a lot of race stuff in a pretty straightforward and upfront way uh, that is very smartly done. But it definitely left me wanting to read a lot more about this book. So copy-paste what I said earlier for some Copy-paste. The best thing, the easiest way to understand an audio (laughs) podcast. Um, But I I will say this this was very good. And this comic's ability to capture like just moment to moment action, I thought was really great. It feels almost um, Watchmen-esque in the Mm -hmm. way that this this feels like it could be a a cut scene from a Watchmen comic in a way. And uh, I don't mean like we don't get a ton of like uh, it's not opening up to some larger idea that is in the Watchmen world, but just the way that it. The story is, is is poured out for us. It's really cool. I'm really curious about what is happening here, and I definitely will pick up the next issue. Yeah, I really was impressed with this as well. I love the kind of like art with the dots on it that kind of made it really feel like old-timey uh, for the time period that it was. It was such a cool, modern, old-time look that was great. Uh, the stuff the character went through, re- you really feel it. 
it does a great job of just kind of like reaching through the panel and playing with your emotions in the right way. Yeah, this, uh, even though we're kind of bouncing around, it still really feels like the same story, uh, which is impressive to do. And uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed with this book. I can't wait for more. It's a different subject matter, but um, I, this reminded me a lot of Ex Machina, um, oh, the Brian K. Vaughn book from back interesting. in the day. Uh, maybe in terms of the art in particular, I could yeah. see art that for could sure, be, and yeah. a little bit of the way that it's like uh, the mystery of where their powers are coming from, and <laughs> we're seeing two different time periods. <clears throat> Next up, Deadly Class number forty-seven from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. This one is focusing on Saya, who is now in the two oh. thousands and has one hand, and things are not going particularly well for her. Another great issue of this book, but it is so sad how far Saya has fallen by the time we meet up with her here. Uh, what do you guys think? Pete, you're a big Saya fan. Oh, uh, yeah, this was so great to finally spend some time with her. Like, we haven't seen her much, so, like, really cool, unbelievable. Like, the, the heartfelt moment uh, of, of what she's going through is crazy. That little, like, wave in the park to the kid, even though the kid, like, rats are out uh, to the cops. Which, kids, don't tell the cops and people, all right? Just mind your fucking business. Uh, but, man, uh, just really, what a great issue. Unbelievable art. Rick Remender, again, just killing it. And uh, it's, I, I'm having, it's just great to revisit these characters and spend time with them. Justin, what about you? Uh, great book. Dark shit happening, but really good book, as as usual. Just like best like the way that they just put together their comic is it's a it's a clinic yeah the, the many deaths of Layla star number four from boom studios written by ram v art by felipe andrade we're moving closer and closer to the moment when not our main character Layla star aka death but our other character develops a formula for immortality the thing that she has been fighting against since the first issue and there's some twists and turns here but as usual just have a really focused interesting conversation at the center of the issue uh, i really like reading this book it's very smartly done i love I, this book top of the stack this book for me and it really um, we get a little bit of like uh, some uncertainty cast into what's happening here uh, by the end of the issue. Uh, beautiful art, beautiful subject matter. And uh, I think we talked about this uh, earlier on, reminding us of that book um, uh, that uh, uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba did um, yeah. Yeah. about life and death uh, that I forget. Day the Tripper. Right now. Day Tripper, yes. Um, fair, similar vibes. Yeah, I uh, yeah the the art's unbelievable. The storytelling is really great. It's such an interesting character piece. But I also really love the faces and the way the artist like tells a story with just the way the faces are, and, and it's so impressive and so detailed in all the right ways. This is a this is a really cool story and unbelievable art. Shade Craft, number five from Image Comics, written by Joe Henderson, art by Lee Garbett. This is bringing our first miniseries to a close. And I thought this was very good. This was big and actiony. They brought the story together nicely. The main conflict of what's going to happen to this girl's brother. How is she going to deal with these new shadow powers? Um, I thought this was very well done and very fun. And I think it's worth searching out in trade in particular. What about you guys? I agree. It's got a good good flavor to it. It feels like it's um, sort of occupying that uh, government. Um, there's like a governmenty aspect to this book, um, and but touching on this very specific superhero uh, and sci-fi world, uh, it's a good read. Yeah, I was uh, I'm really touched by the kind of brother stuff in here. Some really cool stuff with the way they kind of deal with the brother. I don't want to give anything away, but the last couple of panels are really great. Um, yeah, this was really impressive kind of, uh, with, through this whole arc here, uh, with what they started with and then kind of where they ended up. It was really creative and fun. Save yourself. Number two from Boombox, written by bones leopard. One of the best names in the business. Art by Bones. Kelly. Bones. Leopard. Uh, art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. Unless I'm mixing up another one, this is the one about a sort of Sailor Moon slash Powerpuff Girls-esque group who is actually evil. 
and eats yes. people and is trying to take over the world. And there is a regular girl who has found out about this and also fallen in love with one of their ex members. Uh, this continues to be very cute and funny and uh, the characters are enjoyable. The art is very, very pretty and the characters are beautifully drawn as well. What do you guys think? There's a fun yeah, I, romance angle. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's really uh, fun and interesting the way they kind of go about this. The character interactions, the kind of way they talk about their feelings is is very touching and cute and very cool. It pulls you into this kind of giant weird world that we're in, and we're kind of making trying to make the sense of. Uh, yeah, I'm having a blast. It's very. Very, the way they're kind of doing it through this touching kind of story is a great kind of in, um, and then great kind of last panel for the next kind of start. There's a lot of business in this issue that I'm like, ah, okay, I don't know if I need all this, but kiss that dinosaur face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, kiss man. that dinosaur, man. Are there some fireworks going off near you? Yes, that is me. Um, it is dark where I am, and for some reason, people are setting off fireworks. Happy 4th of July. Home number four from Image Comics, written by Julio Anta, art by Anna Wesick. This is the second-to-last issue of this phenomenal book. Oh. Go back and listen to our live show podcast with Julio Anta in the Comic Book Club feed, because it was great talking to him. Really great. But this issue, we not only find out more about the mythology of the world, but also our main kid character plays around with his powers a little bit, mostly ends up in some very bad danger. But like we've talked about all along, the action is exciting, but the emotion is so raw and so real in every issue of this book. Yeah, agreed. And uh, kind of our, our sweet little main character gets himself in trouble just trying to hang with the kids and uh, I, you know, does the right thing, but still gets in trouble. I, I was really impressed with this book. It continues to deliver on the heart and then also kind of a cool reveal at the end. We're going to get some fun new characters I'm excited for, but uh, yeah, it's just, this is such a touching, cool story, man. We talked about this a lot when we um, uh, talked to the writer, but like the way that this book is able to reference things that are happening in the real world while also telling a, a very compelling superhero story is really impressive and worth reading. Black Hammer Reborn, number two from Dark Horse Summers, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Caitlin Yarsky. Now, I felt kind of bad because we forgot to review the first issue of this book, something that is right over the plate for us. We've been loving all this Black Hammer stuff. But this one, as you can tell from the title, is revisiting the world of Black Hammer years later with not the original Black Hammer, but the second Black Hammer and focusing on her daughter. This also has art from Caitlin Yarsky, who was on the... Oh, my gosh. What was the name of the book? Uh, not Crave, I'll remember it in a second, but whatever it is, her art is great and her layouts are awesome. And here we're getting this tripped out world that we're checking in with years later. Black Hammer has been fighting Skulldigger and we're picking up on that conflict. Um, I thought this was really good and I definitely want to go back and read the first issue. Well, we've been talking about the Black Hammer vision stuff so much that it's it's really nice to come back to sort of the the ground on it and uh and have that more like just straight up superhero take um rooted in in jeff lemire's uh vision for the the series or the the character the these new characters based on his original characters and uh real quickly caitlin yarsky was on bliss the sean lewis book yeah sorry pete go ahead yeah um I, yeah, this, you know, like the, the Skull dude very much. I love the tripped out kind of shark fun that they have in this book. But yeah, very, very touching stuff with the with the daughter and the mom. So like, uh, I loved all that. They they do such a good job of, of packaging a lot of things in this issue. You get a lot of cool kind of comic book moments, but also some heartfelt shit, which is very enjoyable. And the art's unbelievable. And the people behind you, Justin, seem to really be enjoying it, too. Time Before Time, number three from Image Comics, written by Declan Shalvey and Roy McConville. Art by Joe Palmer. In this issue, we're continuing to trip through time as our main characters try to figure out what's going on with the warring factions trying to control time travel. Uh, Really well drawn by uh, Joe Palmer. Very, I was about to say confusing, but... 
very all over the place in terms of the time travel, but I do think they bring it together well and keep the story streamlined at the same time. Uh, and this issue in particular has some really nice action to it. What did you guys think? Yeah, I really enjoyed the action and the art and, um, you know, always when kind of you got some main characters fighting that I get worried about that. But uh, I really like where they kind of left off with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little worried about cars in the future. They seem really crappy and small, but tiny. uh, Yeah. And not fun to drive. But um, all that aside, uh, you know, this deals with a lot of cool action and they leave it in a very interesting place. So I'm on board to your point. There is a lot going on in this issue and it is a lot of like, well, here's the thing in in this era, shit's fucked up this way. And it's like, well, in this era, it's fucked up in this other way. And where were these people? But I will say, I, I do want to find out what the deal is with the, I do like the characters and I want to know what's up. Next up, Bermuda number one from IDW, written and letters by John Lehman, art by Nick Bradshaw. This is surprisingly, I would say, given the team, a relatively straightforward tale of a dude getting lost on a dinosaur type island. You know what I mean? Uh, it's an yeah, old dinosaur time. island. Well, it's yeah, like a land island. land of the lost type island where land there's more people time. and there's dinosaurs and there's giant lizards and there's other things. And they're all warring. Savage land. Savage land. Yeah. Exactly. A dinosaur archipelago. I got you. Yeah, exactly. But it's Nick Bradshaw art, which is great. Beautiful. Oh, my God. And John Lehman always has a lot of fun with this stuff. So even if it is relatively straightforward, even with the big, not twist at the end, but the big plot development at the end, I still really enjoyed reading this one. What about you? Yeah, I thought this, I mean, beautiful art, great fun adventure. You know, the classic kind of like, oh, you know, you, you if you're going to travel over a creepy island, your plane's probably going to crash there and, you know, you're going to have to uh, try to survive. But, um, yeah, I like the dinosaurs. They seem really fun. And uh, the I, I think it's an interesting story. The last page reveal was a little like, mm, uh, but I'm excited to see what's up. It's like Jurassic Park if the old guy with the cane was a female Aladdin. Yeah. Put That's that exactly what I was thinking. Put that on the book. Last but not least, Compass number two from Image Comics, written by Robert McKenzie and David Walker, art by Justin Greenwood. In this issue, our main character is continuing to tussle with people in Ireland, I want to say. Not 100% sure. Um. In this issue, this book, I was not quite sure. Yes, it is um, Celtic, I believe. Okay. Uh, Celtic. Uh, but the art is really good, and the characters are really good. I'm definitely intrigued to find out what's going on. It wasn't quite as clear as the first issue, but um, there's certainly a tease that we're going to get some really bad things coming down the road in issue three, so I'm certainly eager to keep reading this book. Greg Rucka presents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lepers are scary, uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, fun action, uh, just uh, kind of some cool kind of Aladdin-type roof-jumping stuff that, uh, you know, uh, Justin's the sucker for, so... A lot of Aladdin at the end of the stack here. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I think they do a great job of getting you uh, into this world uh, and excited about uh, wanting more, so I think uh, they do a great job, and... um, and uh, also, I want to talk about Catwoman number 33 uh, in our stack. <laughs> uh, this book, just, this, before we get to whatever you're trying to tack on here, uh, this book felt like walking into someone else's D&D campaign and being like, yeah. oh, wait, sorry, I don't know. I don't quite know what's happening here. Could anyone <laughs> fill me in? And then being like, no, no, just listen. You'll get it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I was like, ah, oh, the lepers. Yeah, watch out for them. Um, but it is an interesting world. I just don't quite know what's happening. Pete, take it yeah. away for Pete's extra beat. Okay, great. And Ascender number 17, were we supposed to talk about that as well, or am I crazy? Uh, I, I don't know. There's not, a, there's not a supposed to talk about anything, but let me just say, Ascender 17, this book is coming to a close in a very, this series is coming to a close in a very exciting way, and I thought this issue 
continues. The quality of this book from the original Descender series to the Ascender series has been excellent. I hope they have another version of either going down or going up that they're going to do another series about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's very touching and unbelievable. And the artist, I mean, I've said it so many times. You got to check this shit out. It's so great. Switching gears, Catwoman number 33, really amazing art, really dope action. And the last panel gives you so much hope. So great and powerful. Uh, Alex, anything you want to tack on here? Yeah, I just that I love the fact that I send out an agenda every week that nobody responds to until we're live on a podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and we YouTube. Sure Come on down. Uh, we would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe. Did I say that twice in a row? Yep. Keep subscribing. Subscribe twice. Keep subscribing. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, we'll see you one jump ahead of the breath line, two steps ahead of the sword. Bye, Steve. Don't do any more. Legally, we can't do any more. Only what we can't afford. Oh, come on. That's That's everything. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.